social media is very good. It helps business and everything. I always say it's not how many followers you have. It's really how many customers they buy your produce. I know that on social media, every day I have people, they're calling me, you don't know how to use Instagram. You should have much more followers. You should have this. I will teach you how to do it. I can help you to get 50,000 followers. And I respond, I don't really care who is a follower. I care to put out there what I do. You know, I'm a little bit dif- different than most people. I don't care. And I don't have time to play on the phone all day. You know, when I'm in the kitchen, I put my phone down and I'm working. Amazing flavor is an amazing human who has perfected their craft. Welcome to Flavors Unknown, a series of inspirational conversations with renowned culinary leaders. Discover how their cultural identity shapes their creative process with your host, Emmanuel. Welcome to episode 81 of the Flavors Unknown podcast. Today, my guest is pastry chef Francois Payard. François Payard was born in Nice, France. He's a third generation of French pastry chefs. He worked in amazing restaurants like La Tour d'Argent and Lucas Carton in Paris and Le Bernardin and Daniel in New York. He opened his own restaurant, Payard Pastry, where he innovated and let his passion for pastry shine for more than 12 years. Not just a chef, Payard has written several cookbooks and he is today a culinary consultant. I am your host, Emmanuel Laroche. I have been in the food industry for more than 20 years, both in Europe and in the US. And every other week, I have conversations with American culinary leaders to understand how their cultural heritage influenced their creative process. You can follow us on the website flavorsunknown.com or on any other podcast platforms like Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Flavors Unknown. Hi, Chef. How are you? Good, and you? I'm very good, thank you. Welcome to Flavors Unknown. I'm really excited to have you on the show today. Merci, merci. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We could have done it in French. <laughs> But, uh, you know, only a few people would have, um, would have understood. So I just mentioned to you that, uh, you yeah, know, we have something in common because I, I spent 16 years of my life uh, near Nice. And you are from Nice uh, in France, in the southeast. And you are from a third generation of, of pastry chef. I'm curious, what's the food smell that reminds you of your childhood? In this. It's, uh, it was a little challenging because my um, the shop was my grandfather's shop after my father took over the shop. My brother was uh, really like uh, the firstborn, alors, you know, was a pastry chef too. And uh, there was not too many room for me to be a pastry chef. And uh, my dad tried to guide me to do catering and everything because he doesn't want to have a conflict with my brother. But to the end, uh, I went to Catering, I like it, you know, but, you know, I decide and uh, I want to do that. Pretty much, you know, the smell in my house is always worth cooking because as a kid, I grew up in the, in the bakery and on top of the bakery was a house and uh, we eat in the, in the bakery every day, lunch and dinner. And after when my dad retired, you know, 
we kind of, he, he was bored, you know, and he was cooking all day, <laughs> preparing things. Mm -hmm. And as a pastry chef, he always do, when he do one pie, you know, like even a zucchini pie, like a specialty of South of France, he do, he do 10. He put nine in the freezer and one for lunch. <laughs> because he was so used, I get to make large quantities <laughs> for the that, shop. That, that's the problem we have in pastry. We always know how to make large quantity. And when anybody asks me for a recipe for a pie, I say, I don't even know. I have to look at the book. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> so, obviously, after, you know, Nice, you moved to uh, to Paris and then and to New York. And you have been to a lot of, you know, like two and three Michelin stars. And we'll talk about, uh, you know, that later. And, uh, you know, you open as well, you are, I would say, the first real refined pastry shop in uh, in New York. But what memory do you keep from all these years, you know, of this um, fantastic adventure, you know, from Nice, Paris and New York? Uh, pretty much the best time of my life was working in the three-star Michelin in France, you know. But it was very, very difficult at the same time. You know, pastry chef in the world of cooking, you know, they're not really... Uh, understand, you know, understanding of the chef, you know, the chef always wants uh, everything his way and everything the way he wants, you know, it's a little bit complicated, but um, working in the Cacarton was uh, was the number one restaurant in the world at the time with, uh, with Joël Robuchon, we both have 19 and a half, was a very difficult time for me because for six months I was not allowed to change nothing on the menu. I mean, you're the pastry chef, but you cannot change nothing. And little by little, I start to sit down with uh, Alain Sandorens and, and Madame, you know, and start to understand what chef wants or what he wants and gear no more to pastry, but pastry in the restaurant. I mean, and think like a chef. So what does that, what does that mean, like thinking like a chef? Because pastry, we always think about making a show and making something mm -hmm. beautiful and pretty, but sometimes we forgot about ingredients because ingredients come maybe secondary. And working with a chef is uh, all about ingredients, uh, all about ingredients, flavor, and texture. And uh, six months after that, you know, I start to have a few, few, um, few dishes on the menu. I was only 21 years old. It was difficult for me because... At 21, I understand pastry. My dad was a pastry chef. My brother was a pastry chef. My father, my grandfather was a pastry chef. And little by little, I start to understand the philosophy of the chef. But I'm, I'm thinking as well that what you have experienced with your grandfather, dad, and brother, it's probably a different kind of pastry as well that was at, uh, you know, Lucas Carton or Sandorans, correct? They were expecting something different. Yeah, but you know, the problem is a lot of people, they have our time to understand, is a two different world. A pastry chef in the, in, the, in the restaurant is only doing dessert. Something that you create a la minute to order and something that you, you can never reproduce in the shop because it's an excitement that not possible to give as a, as a pastry that is sit in the showcase for four hours. Now, uh, is um, it's different because you know what you're working with something that you be able to put together, put on the plate, and the next two minutes the customer will enjoy and see some excitement, even much more excitement as a pastry than you put in the case and everything. 
Now, it's two kind of pastry chefs. Some, they know, they know how to make pastry like uh, in the store, like for bakery. And some, they know how to make pastry like in the restaurant, you know. And um, if I take one, you know, I would say like Pierre Armé has the talent to do that too, you know, because, you know, like me, how to do pastry shop and, you know, how to do restaurant because, you know, flavor, you know, texture, you know, everything. And uh, that's something that people have our time to understand. You know, they think you're making a chocolate mousse, you're a pastry chef, but it's a little bit more than that. And, and I'm guessing as well for a pastry chef, you need to master a wide set of skills, correct? Because you need to know how to make, to work chocolate, you know how to work like confectionery. Yeah, there's like different elements on the pastry shop that you, you need to master. Yeah, a long time ago, <laughs> because uh, I used to pull sugar every day. I used to make chocolate every day, even at uh, Payard and the bakery. But sometimes, you know, with um, what I do right now with the consulting, you know, most of the time they never have a kitchen for pastry chef. It's always so small. It's always in the middle of the kitchen. It's never air conditioned to make chocolate, you know. You have to adapt and uh, uh, understand what the, what the need, but to the end, you still can be able to deliver a great produce. Right now, I'm working with the chef, is John Fraser, and the kitchen was small, but I follow exactly what he wants. You know, he wants a farm to table. And I know some people get shocked. He say, why you cannot make this beautiful pastry? Because that's not the vision of the chef. We are in the farm place. We have to use the ingredients from the farm. And, but you still be able to deliver a great experience too. So you mentioned that, um, you know, you are a consultant, like a culinary consultant today. So, so if I ask the questions, what do you do today? This is, that will be your answer, correct? Yeah. What I do today is the last uh, three years, you know, uh, after having a lot of problems with my partner in the, in the bakery, I decided to do consultant. Then this, you know, uh, I realized and I love it very much because I can work. I don't have to think about number. I don't have to think about stress, about operating the business. I just think about what I can be able to create today and make people happy. And, and probably with this difficult time, you know, at the moment, there's a lot of opportunity for consulting, I guess. Yes, it's a lot of opportunity for consulting, but, you know, uh, sometimes, you know, uh, like people say, I'm, I'm too expensive. But I always say, you know what, if you want to buy a Ferrari, you get me. If you want to buy a Jeep with two, two wheels, you know, that's what you pay for. Yes, who, who you get. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a French expression, but, you know, that's the idea, you know. And, um, you know, I will deliver even if you give me a concept, you know, like three years, two years ago, I opened Brooklyn. The lady was looking to have a cake, you know, like a three-tier cake, like American cake. I never make it, but I work on the recipe to develop the recipe. Sometimes when it's your own place, you do exactly what you want. When you're a consultant, you have to listen to the need of the client and what you want. It's pretty much like when you build a restaurant and you have an architect. You know, the architect has his idea, but most of the time, a chef always has his input. You are one of... Uh the well-known and recognized, you know, pastry chef uh, from around the world. I mean, you've been, you know, when you moved to uh, to the U.S., obviously uh, you've been at Le Cirque and then you've been at uh, Le Bernardin and you opened, correct, the with the pastry program at Daniel. Yeah. 
So there's a, a lot of uh, a great, you know, line here on your on your resume. So what do you um, uh, keep in mind and remember from those, you know, those experiences? Before I would answer the question, it's not what's on your resume, it's what you you be able to do every day too. You know, my idea is uh, I love challenge and I love to. Uh, Sometimes I take more challenge than I need to, but that's the way I am. And I think, you know, uh, the things is not about what you do in the past. It's what you will do today. And as a chef, like most of the chefs, we like to challenge ourselves and we can take a lot of challenge. And that's make the difference, you know. I don't live in the past. Uh, I, live, uh, I live in the future. I used to have the incredible pastry shop, everything. And I make a mistake of partnership and I will blame myself. That's it. You know, you have to move on in life. You cannot live in the past. You know, I wish uh, and I want to one day reopen a place in New York City. Yes, everybody tell me I'm crazy, but that's the way I am. I like to challenge myself. I like to take on and I like to, to do it. But problem right now, rent are too high. And don't forget, we're selling cake for very little price. People compare a cake sometimes at five or seven dollars as a cupcake. But to make a cupcake, take no time. To make a cake with texture and everything and decoration is a lot of labor involved. You work in France and then, um, you know, here in the U.S. And uh, I read that, um, you know, you in 2013, I think you did an interview and you said that some of the chefs, you know, in France were a bit more narrow-minded compared to American chefs. And do you still, is still the case today? I think the French uh, chef, they open up a little bit because they realize and, uh, you know, it's a lot of young chefs in America. They become creative, uh, taking initiative, a lot of farm to table approach and everything. I still think that if there's something inside French that we have, we are a little bit uh, narrow mind sometimes and a little conservative. I don't see myself conservative. You know, I like to push always to the limit, but you have to understand, people will compare as me as a very conservative because I do classic. It's not classic what I do, it's just the great taste. You know, if I do a Paris-Brest, I will redo the Paris-Brest my own way, but it's still a Paris-Brest. But you know what, to the end of the day, when you put on the table, if everybody smile or everybody enjoy, why not? And do you think that there is still... Um um, you know, the, like the sorry that the time of uh, like the yelling in the kitchen and the hazing in the kitchen is is over. That has something that has changed recently. And that that completely changed. You know, from uh, from maybe two thousand. You know, I don't think a lot of French chefs scream in the kitchen. In the kitchen, I worked. Uh, nobody scream. You know, even the the chef is very very quiet. You know, but I think you know it's something that it changed before the, the screaming was maybe giving excitement. But I think now with the rule in the kitchen and hard to find people, you have to behave as a human being too. And so who do you admire in terms of uh, uh, pastry chef or chef today? Pretty much, you know, uh, is a lot of pastry chef that I admire, you know, but for different skills. Like, you know, he's a guy, you know, he's on Instagram. His name is Amore Guichon. And uh, for the chocolate piece and everything, many times I clap. Because, you know, what he's doing is incredible. The problem is when you do only that and you have a cooking class for that, it's a little bit much easier than if you make a piece. Because if I make a piece like that, I'll never be able to sell it. You see the problem 
art, like a chocolate and everything, they have no price. People don't understand. They will say, how many pounds of chocolate? But they don't know the work and the labor he went through. And after, he's a lot of great pastry chefs in Belgium, you know, uh, uh, have a lot, you know. If you look at the 100 best pastry chefs in the world, you know, there's a lot of people have talent, you know. They have different talents. Some, they work, you know, like in Spain, they work a lot with uh, the form and everything, you know. It just, whatever you have to do and whatever you want to do, you have to be your own cooking. But sometimes you take a little bit of inspiration from everyone and you make your own idea, not, not a photocopy of the idea. Got it. Yeah. Do you think that's the, do you, have you seen that the quality of, um, of uh, pastry like um, evolving since you arrive, you know, here in the US throughout the years? Because, you know, it's, when you come from Europe and especially from France and, you know, several years back, you arrive in the US, it's a completely different world. Beside maybe New York and Chicago, LA, San Francisco at that time, there was not a lot of like really like refined pastry around the country. Have you seen any, any changes? Yes. When I arrived, you know, when I arrived in, uh, I arrived in 99, I think so. No, no I arrived in 1990, sorry. And um, when I opened Paya, I was 94, I was the only one pastry shop in New York. Mr. Bonte was a famous pastry shop and he retired. And after, you know, when I opened the place, it was, um, it was a pretty big in New York City. And everybody, you know, they decided to open a pastry shop and everything. And I think pastry become almost like a, like a new restaurant coming up. And it's great because, you know, it helped people to understand that the pastry is not what you find just in the supermarket. They have pastry chef in the pastry shop. And a lot, you know, even chefs try to de- do their own things, like uh, uh, Daniel opened his bakery, like uh, French Landry opened his, uh, his bakery too. But I think when you're a pastry chef, you don't have sometimes the, the structure or you don't have the money like the, this big group have, but you still have so many little shops that they do a very good job in New York. And, uh, and I think everybody should support them right now even more than before. You have seen things like, I mean, you mentioned obviously, um, you know, California, but have you seen this, uh, you know, level of quality of pastry as well uh, spreading like outside of, you know, New York, Chicago and California? Yes. I went to, uh, before I took this job, you know, with John Fraser, I, opened, um, I was at Chibao, uh, he's my best friend, Tony, and um, I get a break, you know, like two weeks and I went to Chicago. It's not in Chicago, it's a small town. His name is Galina. And uh, the GM was a big GM in uh, many restaurants. Le Bernardin, he worked at uh, Dundek, like I work, and he worked at uh, um, a big place in uh, Bartonji in, in Miami. And he said, I want to be the, 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 the big fish in the small town. I don't want to be the small fish in the big town. He opened, and I'm telling you, every day I went there for a week, I set up the kitchen for him, you know, I set up everything, train the staff, and he's doing a killer. Maybe it's a small town, but he was right. He's sold out every day. The name you can check is Bread and Wine, and his idea was good. Sometimes we always want to be in the big city, but big city is big headache. And it's, you know, big headache in terms of, I mean, you just went mentioning before about the rent and, you know, especially in New York, which probably is not facing that situation where he is. No. In one in one day, you can pay the rent. <laughs> <laughs> wow. 
If you would meet like yourself, the young François Payard, before you know he was moving to uh, Paris from Nice, like today. So, what what advice would you give yourself? Like experiences, everything that you have experienced. No, uh, I think I will be the same. Just uh, I will be. I should be smarter to to get involved with the right people. But you know, we learn uh, everything in life. You learn from your mistake, and uh, you cannot blame uh, everybody else for your mistake. You just have to learn and uh, and move on, and that's it. And you have another advice for like uh, you would give for uh, like a young person that wants to get into pastry today? The advice is a is a very dif- very difficult job and it's tough. It's always long hour. It's the same than cooking, you know. The problem you have to be dedicated and you have to think about you know sometimes it's a lot of sacrifice. On the weekend you have to work. On the holiday you have to work. When everybody is off, and if you don't have this commitment in your head, don't do it. You know, the idea is uh, is uh, the restaurant business starting to have a lot of problem in France. They cannot even find people to work. And we have the same problem in New York now. But the thing is, uh, it doesn't pay so much. And uh, is a, they demand a lot of you and everything. But listen, if you have a passion, you know, uh, sometimes even artists, they don't, they only make money when they die. <laughs> You're right. Yes, that's true. <laughs> that's interesting comparison. <laughs> What's your favorite pastry to make? I don't really have a favorite pastry. Every day, you know, I make uh, pretty much, you know, you ask me to make something, I make. You know, John was uh, looking to make pie, you know, uh, we sell a lot of pie because the idea of what we are in South Hall right now is uh, is conservative, is uh, is all about farm to table. And everything has to fit in one concept. You know, I don't think uh, I will make something fancy like I make at Payard. Doesn't mean is I don't know how to make, but it doesn't fit the concept. Everything you do, in, you know, when you work for someone or what, you have to fit to the concept, and everything has to be in, in energy and synergy. So, give us some example. Of what what does that mean? The concept of farm to table in um, you know in a in a pastry or a dessert but menu? Pretty much, you know, everything I make is a pretty ru- very rustic, starting to the breakfast item, breakfast to the tart, the pie, we go to the market, to the farm, and we pick up the blueberry, we pick up the peach, you know, we pick up, and everything is, uh, sometimes it's just simple, simple way to cook them, but chef always like to have herbs inside, you know, like lemon verbena, thyme, and everything. It's simple, but it's all about flavor. And even if it's a blueberry pie, like I make Sunday, you know, it was blueberry with lemon thyme and just lemon zest. To the end, I put six on the window. In two minutes, they were sold out. It's not because it's simple, it's not good. Because sometimes, simple people cannot do. Do you integrate as well any, like, savory flavors, you know, in your, in this uh, farm to table? Yeah, we, uh, we do a, I do a lot of tart, you know, like a breakfast, like a puff pastry, caramelized onion and pepperad and tomato with goat cheese. I have a lot of tart, you know, to sweet and savory for the morning breakfast. We have a big morning breakfast. And after, you know, when I have chance, you know, I try to, to work with chef, you know, sometimes when I have an idea, I present to him. But, you know, he's, uh, he's his place, you know, I just present to him and he has to test. And we don't put nothing on the menu before the chef test. And I was, I was the same way when he was my place. 
you know, to be a general, you have to follow rule. But you, know, you have to learn how to take uh, rule before. And I do the same thing yes. if it was my place or I work for someone. Sometime in leadership, you have to follow. Exactly. Yeah. And so I thought that maybe you would say, you know, in terms of favorite uh, desserts or uh, that you would mention, I don't know, Madeleine or macaron. I don't make, I don't make macaron for like a year. <laughs> you know, it's just, uh, I used to make a 10,000 at Payard every day. Yeah. But you know the thing? 10,000 yeah, a day? We have used to have a big machine and everything, but it just, you know, the concept um, that I developed like, or, or people hire me the last three years was not really like a kitchen pro production for pastry. But Madeleine could be, uh, you know, uh, could be uh, crafted and, uh, you know, it could resonate as well with farm to table too. If I, if I have to make some, I have to make some, but, you know, I will, I will tweak them with like a lemon verbena or like a lemon thyme, you know, something and it will tie the, the, the classical Madeleine, but to the farm. I mean, maybe it's the time to uh, look at the evolution of the Madeleine because I've seen like, like recently the evolution of croissant, you know, with croissant with different colors, like croissant with different fillings, you know, everywhere, you know, with fruit fillings, with, um, you know, sweet fillings and so on. Maybe uh, Madeleine could be an interesting vehicle for, um, you know, new, uh, new concept, new ideas. Yeah, Madeleine, Madeleine is like a macaron if you think about it. Tomorrow morning, I can make the same Madeleine and using a blueberry, by, by using a blueberry freeze-dry powder. And some even blueberry freeze-dry in the middle can be a beautiful Madeleine. Pistachio is pretty simple, but the things is uh, depend where you are. And did people will understand the Madeleine? They will know what's a Madeleine. You see the problem, every location concept that I do, I have to be careful that it's not about me. It's about the concept. And sometimes you have to understand, you know, right now, uh, this weekend I was playing, making a, a shoe like a Paris-Brest. People understand because it was a shoe, but it was just for me to play. But, you know, the things when I make a cheesecake or things like that, people, it's something they know about. Something that you cannot, you have to, to win their confidence and little by little, people will, don't even ask, they will get it. What are your uh, sources of inspiration? I look at uh, what I do every day. You know, uh, I look at my uh, recipe from every place I open or every place I do. And sometimes, you know, uh, I take an idea or sometimes when I go to the farm, uh, with chef is very like uh, into the farm and everything. I just look and when I see this uh, blueberry and everything, I say, I test one, is, it was nothing to do to the blueberry. Why you want to change the flavor of the blueberry when the blueberry is already incredible? I just put a little bit of brown sugar, a tiny bit of flour to make a little bit of lemon thyme, one, one little bit of zest, and that's it. I take the blueberry in the pie shell already done, and I bake it. It, it was to die for. Why need to do something complicated to it when the flavor is here and it was the best blueberry pie you ever have? But don't you think sometimes there's an expectation from the consumer to or the you know the customer sorry to uh, um, you know to have something um, a bit sophisticated when it comes to uh, the dessert menu. Uh, listen, when I want to do something uh, sophisticated, you know, is when when I will go to to the restaurant and they have knock for table to create something on the menu. When you go to a bakery like we call uh, we have a bakery like it's a general store, everything people expect the best sandwich. They expect 
the best pizza. They expect the best pie. They don't expect to have something very French and crazy. It's not about me. It's about the place. You have to understand. But you know what? Every bite they have, I have a lady, you know, coming and she said, I took the pie last week. It was incredible. And it was just a pitch, you know, donut pitch, you know, with the yellow and the things. A little bit, uh, was a little bit of lemon verbena, brown sugar, you know, little, just a little bit of flour to end. I cooked the pitch that was so high and that's it. It's all about the food. It's all about the pitch. But now, in the winter, we'll have fall, we'll have fall coming, we'll have apple, we'll have pear. People expect something like we are farm to table, something that is incredible flavor, not design and everything. And pricing, you have to understand, if you start to do something like I used to do at Payar, the price never be the same. You know, it's more labor involved. You know, is is over there is more like a, on the rustic side. What do you enjoy the most? You know, the work that you are doing now, for instance, for this restaurant with a little bit of, um, you know, rustic and farm to table or, you know, the, the type of, uh, of pastry and, uh, and chocolate work and, um, you know, like, uh, at Payar. I enjoy both. You know, at the time right now is, uh, is what I decide to do. I mean, I found a place, but if I reopen a place, it would be exactly like Payar with all the creation that I will make. I already have a plan for that. But, you know, the idea is, uh, is uh, you have to find a market that people understand. No everybody is ready to pay $7 for a cake. You know, if you go to Paris, look, Pierre may charge $9, 9 euro for a cake. Is I mean $11. I don't think everybody in New York will like this idea. Or you go to Cédric Rollet, he charge $16 for it. But you know what? Because Parisians, they love sweet. We eat pastry every day. You know, French people... Every town you go to France is always a bakery and a pastry shop, sure, <laughs> you know, and sure. a church. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you know, that's sure. the thing. You know, sometimes they even have two pastry shops. But the thing is, uh, it's part of our culture. You know, the American in New York, they go to the bakery in the morning for breakfast, but doesn't mean they will buy a cake every day. It's pretty much mostly on the weekend. How would you say that your creative process like evolved with time? I think this is much more difficult right now. There is a true why, because we cannot find employees. I'm pretty much almost alone in the place over there, you know, and we cannot find people. It's not we cannot pay. We, we can pay them, but we cannot find people dedicated to work. So that makes life more difficult. You know, uh, the last week I was alone all week and doing the gelato, doing the breakfast, the pastry, doing the... It's no problem for me because you know what? I love to work, pretty much. Uh, I'm a workaholic like my parents was. It's just frustrating that, you know, you cannot find people to help you because, you know, it's like a little bit remote. It's not the city, but everybody in the city have the same problem. But, you know, it was fine for me because, you know, I don't have to stress about the business. I don't have to stress about the payroll. I was just doing what I like to do. So I, I always ask, The people that come to uh, the show, I pick up their brain and, um, you know, uh, ask them like a suggestion how um, a home cook, like a food enthusiast like myself can create something, you know, at home. Are you okay if we take maybe like a savory tart? And what could I make, you know, with a Francois Payard twist? If you look at the four books, uh, five books I have out there. I, I have one here, but that's the yeah, one I have for you. But that's the this one is the most difficult. And this one, it was just to, uh, to, 
to put out there all the desserts I create from Daniel Le Bernardin. But they are the, the cookie one is easy to follow. The the one for simply sensational is incredible. It's a lot of basic recipe. Even David Burke texted me two days ago and he said, I'm looking at the book, look what I find. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it just, you know, is an easy recipe to follow and doesn't mean because they're easy, they're not good. You know, sometimes we always take as a chef an easy recipe, but you tweak your own way after. You know, if you look at uh, the chocolate book, there's a lot of books out there. I'm even working, I did a book, but um, I have no time to publish yet, only on tart using eight different doughs. And uh, I don't know, I don't find a publisher yet. You know, his uh, book doesn't sell anymore because, you know, you have to be a TV chef. And uh, I cannot be a TV chef because uh, I can cook, that's sure. And I can bake, but I have a thick accent. What do you think, by the way, about what's your take on, you know, all those TV shows and food TV shows and food competition on TV? Well, I think, you know, sometimes uh, it's good, but sometimes uh, it was a good idea, but sometimes make this kid dreaming too much. Things they go mm -hmm. to school and after they be on TV, you know, they this job it gave like the wrong image, exactly. correct, of the industry. I think in yeah. this job you have to pay your dues before. I respect, you know, a lot of TV chefs. They are very good. Some of my favorites, you know, they there was Mario Batali. You know, I love Mario. Uh, Michael Simon, you know, I love. Uh, even Bobby have a great, uh, great uh, show and everything. But I know on top of it, they are great chefs. But, you know, sometimes some people come out as a TV chef, you know, they don't even, they didn't even cook before. But, you know, they have a good image. They pass very well on TV. Good for them, you know. I think, so. but I think for the young kid, the image, they have to learn how to pay their dues before. And don't dream too much and you can be like uh, on TV because you look good and uh, you pass very well on image and everything. And what do you think about um, the impact on social media? Because social media is helping make, you know, the the reputation and then, um, you know, the, the the starship of, uh, you know, some of those individuals as well. That's very different from the time when you open, you know, Payar, you know, like uh, social media was not there really at that no, time. No, but I think social media changed the world too, because... You know, a lot of people, you know, they post uh, things, you know, it looks beautiful, but you, you're not able to test it. You know, it's like uh, some TV show, then one day somebody was in the audience and test the food. And she said, wow, it was not so good. No net. But, you know, the problem, you know, what I post is whatever I pick up from the shop. Yes, I'm like everybody else. Sometimes I make sure that the one I post, it looks perfect. You know, but it's not something special that I would don't do. You know, yesterday my post was Labor Day weekend, was a cheesecake tart then and a blueberry jam on the top. And I saw all of them, exactly what I sh what we have in the shop. Not just playing for the food, just for myself. You have to understand, you know, is but, you know, social media is very good. It helps business and everything. But sometimes, you know, I think so, is a, I always say it's not how many followers you have. It's really how many customers they buy your produce. You know, I know that on social media, every day I have people, they calling me. They say, I, I should, uh, you don't know how to use Instagram. You should have much more followers. You should have this. I will teach you how to do it. I can help you to get 50,000 followers. And I respond, I don't really care who is a follower. 
I care to put out there what I do. You know, I'm a little bit dif- different than most people. I don't care, and I don't have time to play on the phone all day. You know, when I'm in the kitchen, I put my phone down and I'm working. Okay, so uh, let me finish like the, uh, the our conversation with a, a series of rapid-fire questions, if you don't mind. So what is the most important aspect of being a chef for you? I'm not sure. Maybe it was a gift for me because I was a third generation. I will say that uh, the, the things what motivate me is uh, I always want to be better than, than uh, my brother. That was my motivation. Mm-hmm. Okay. Still today? Still today. Is, uh, <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> is, uh, he's still busy. Is he still in base in France? He was a firstborn. You know, he's a teacher in school. Yeah. But, you know... How many years difference do you have I with think him? he's five years more than me. Okay. And he did everything. You okay. know, my dad pushed him to do the MOF. My dad pushed him to do... Mm. Uh, he, he was very, very talented. But, you know, sometimes he have more talent than I have, much more. But, you know, you don't have a passion and drive. And I think sometimes, you know, in this business, you have to have the passion and drive and the talent. And was it because of this brother, I would say, rivalry as well that you, you that was one of the reasons for you to move to the US? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah. Okay. What's your favorite guilty pleasure food? Uh, I always like junk food. That's bad, you know. I will do like what kind? Uh, I don't know, silly things, pretzel, uh, pretzel, pretzel, salted pretzel with uh, peanut butter or with the cheese sauce. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I have bad things about me that I like uh, junk food, sometimes a little bit too much, like even popcorn, you know, with the cheese, you know, because, you know, I see food all day long at work, then I don't want to eat at work. I, I will never eat pastry pretty much, but, you know, and when I came home, I'm starving to the end of the day, and I say, why I don't even have a sandwich today, or why I don't pick up a salad? And to the end, <laughs> you go to your closet, and you, you, you did a bad food, you yeah. eat a junk food. What are like the three cookbooks that inspired you the most in your career? I'm not sure because I would not be able to tell you which one because I have pretty much uh, four or five hundred cookbooks in my house. I'm lucky because many chefs uh, offer me cookbook and everything. But you know, is is uh, a lot of cookbook. But you know, sometimes you take only five or ten or ten ideas from a cookbook, and you have another book and you take another ten ideas. It's hard to find a cookbook that you really stick with it, you know, all the time. You know, even when you started, even when, um, you know, you come back to the time at um, Nice or Paris. Listen, uh, it's a lot of cookbook, you know, it depends. You know, my life is a little complicated because sometimes I have cookbook for chocolate. And I will, Stéphane, Stéphane Leroux, I will love his cookbook because it's very good what he show you, what he can explain. You know, French language cookbook. For cooking, it's very good. Eric Rippon's cookbook is very good. Daniel has so, so many cookbooks. They're good. You know, it's hard. It's hard to, to know which one you want. Sometimes, you know, when I've done side, I look at cookbook, I flip page, and I, I look and inspire myself. Sometimes you take an idea from him and you tweak your own way. But I, I'll, I'll be honest with you, it's hard for me to tell you which one is, is the best cookbook. There okay. are many good out there. So you 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 said that so you're based in Long Island, uh, correct? And then you work in uh, New York and then as well Brooklyn or let's say Manhattan, Brooklyn. You still have the time to uh, go out and I mean dine out with uh, what you do? Pretty much, you know. Uh, I took this job, you know, like uh, in Long Island. I have a house in the Hampton too, the Nice 
Uh, uh, pretty yeah. much was a great, uh, great thing, you know, for me because I rent my house during the whole summer, and I have a house where I, where I, where I work over there. You know, with the, with the management, we have a house, and pretty much, you know, I I come to the city every month. I still have my apartment, but because job was not there with the pandemic, things was confusing for a lot of people with the pandemic. You know, the last two years, you know, with the pandemic, I work here at Tibar for a year and a half, and then I work over there. And I don't know, but my my home is really in New York. You know, I like to do that, but I have to find the right place and the right deal and the right partner. The best way is to find a landlord as a partner. So I wanted to ask you, so if you and I are going, uh, you know, on a testing tour in New York, could you tell me maybe five spots that you will take me to? That depends what you, what kind of testing tour. Are you talking about sweet or are you talking about the dessert or a restaurant? It could, be a, it could be a mix if it's easy to uh, select Listen, five. Listen, if I do one, I want to see uh, the new restaurant of Eleven Madison. Okay. I like it's a new vegetarian. And all vegetarian, I think. So, you know, it's by curiosity. Second one, I will do the new the restaurant of Daniel. I've never been yet because I was stuck over here, you know, in the Hampton most of the time. Third one, I will redo the Le Bernardin because you know, they're launching a new menu. Uh, fourth one is, a, I want to see the Mark Forgeon, what he's, what he's doing, you know. And the uh, fifth one, I will say, uh, is many restaurants, you know, than uh, is opening in New York, but it's not really too many new, new things. And you know why? Because we have to fit in the, into the clientele and everybody have a kind of, a, you know, the biggest scoop of the year was kind of 11 Madison, breaking every rule, having this restaurant so famous and say, forget about meat and fish, now we go all vegetarian. You know, I think, you know, that's why I'm not shocked, but, you know, I like to see, I like to try. Do you like to um, try as well some, uh, you know, food that uh, is influenced from, uh, you know, other other countries in the world? Because there's, a you know, a lot of, we see Filipino, you know, bursting, you know, and, you know. I like to try Iris too. It's, a, it's, a, it's like a Middle East restaurant, you know. Filipino, I'm not really know about, you know. My kind of food is like, uh, I like Middle East, I like French, I like uh, Spanish, I like American uh, bistro, whatever. I love steakhouse, you know, a good steak, they always make me happy. Pretty much, I'll be honest with you, I love Japanese. And uh, pretty much uh, over here in Long Island, I try like, like four or five restaurants, you know, uh, you know, pretty much they all in Greenport, where we stay, Greenport, Matitok uh, and everything. But, is not really like a, the same excitement in the city because you know city restaurants are, are are pushing a little bit harder to the limit. But you know they have a very good restaurant in uh, in Matitok. Uh, we try two of them. One is a one bar, is a Swiss one bar. One is a beautiful seafood restaurant. You know I went last time in Greenport. They have um, they have a lot of good restaurants. But if you go to more like to Sag Harbor. You will have Lulu, you have LT Burger, you have, you have more. Sagarbor is a town and it's busy all year. Alors, it's even more selection. So the last question, is there is a dream that you haven't not yet realized? Uh, the dream is uh, I want to reopen a payar one day and make, me, make myself happy one day, one more time. Okay. 
So I wish that uh, dream will, uh, you know, come through soon. Chef, thank you so much for, for your time. I really, um, you know, enjoy our conversation. Thank you so much for everything. Have a great day. Thank you for listening today. Don't you have now a craving for fruit tart with a flaky pastry? After listening to François Payard, I know I do. If you know someone who would be interested in hearing pastry chef François Payard, please share this episode with that person. You can do it directly from your phone via text message or from the website flavorsunknown.com. Please follow us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever or wherever you listen to podcasts as you do not want to miss any upcoming episodes. Next week, my guest will be Chef Junior Marino. It will be the second episode connecting to the Hispanic Heritage Month. Junior Marino is a mixologist, a sommelier, a chef who is based in Dearborn, near Detroit, Michigan. I see you in two weeks. And until then, remember that people who love to eat are always the best people. Thanks for listening to Flavors Unknown. If you've enjoyed this episode, give us a follow on Instagram at Flavors Unknown and visit us at flavorsunknown.com. Don't forget to leave us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts.